The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. From the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio in Lexington, hello everybody. Welcome into our Thursday edition of the Leach Report. Coming up today, we will lead off with Mike Pratt talking UK basketball, Justin Rowland from the Cats Illustrated, and Jacob Tammy will join us. Played in the NFL in Super Bowls for the Colts and the Broncos, and of course the former Wildcat uh, Hall of Famer will join us here on the Leach Report to uh, preview Super Bowl was it 56, I think, coming up on Saturday or on Sunday between the uh, Bengals and the Rams. Wildcat News of the Day presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. Uh, last night we did the radio show with Coach Cal. Uh, no update on Jacob Toppin. Uh, Cal said it's an ankle sprain. And as I told you guys yesterday, um, with ankle sprains, they're always trying to figure out is it a high ankle sprain or just a regular one. The high ankle sprains take longer to recover from, and it is uh, about two days, 48 hours roughly, uh, when you can do the the, verif- the test to verify, or uh, verify is not the right word, to uh, be certain if it's a uh, high ankle sprain or if it's just the regular variety that you re- from which you recover more quickly. So um, there would not be an expectation to know anything about Jacob Toppin, really, if it's an ankle sprain. So... They'll probably uh, get some idea on that today, and uh, maybe Cal will have an update when he does his media session on Friday. Um, if not, uh, then uh, maybe you'll see a little more Damian Collins, or a little more Lance Ware. Cal even mentioned it could be an opportunity for Bryce Hopkins if uh, Jacob's unable to go Saturday when Kentucky hosts Florida. You know, Collins came through when he got his chance the other night, or the other last Saturday night down in Alabama. So. This might be an opportunity for Hopkins to to get some run on the court if Jacob's unable to go because Keon Brooks is playing very well. They've been getting such tremendous production out of those two guys at the four spot. So, but you know, Keon's not going to be playing forty minutes, so somebody would have to uh, spell him for roughly about ten minutes or so in the game on Saturday against Florida. Speaking of the Gators. They beat Georgia last night, 72-63. to 63. Florida's won four in a row, I think seven of the last nine now, so they've been playing pretty well. Made 12 threes in the game. Uh, they have a, a good uh, big man in uh, Castleton. He's more of the variety of a guy that has uh, some length, not quite a seven-footer, but uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, that's the, the kind of uh, big man that Oscar has had uh, some issues with scoring in the low post, so we'll see. I would love to see Oscar regain that confidence in the uh, free throw line jumper, the elbow jumpers. Um, Calipari talked after the game the other night about getting on Oscar for turning down some of those shots. He did that early in the Duke game, early in the season. Then he got to the point where he was very confident in it, was making the shot uh, pretty consistently, uh, especially a lot of those you know, uh, little pick-and-roll deals where instead of rolling all the way, way in the basket, he'd just do a short roll to the free-throw line or to an elbow, and uh, Wheeler or Washington would drop it off to him. 
and he could make that shot. He seems to have lost a little confidence in it of late, and um, hopefully he will be able to regain that because I think that would help him when he's playing against guys, you know, like whether it's Castleton or Kessler or um, Bediaco down in Alabama, to be able to uh, make one or two of those shots to get them out on the floor a little bit and then uh, give him a, a little better chance to attack. Anyway, things to watch for on uh, Saturday when Kentucky takes on the Gators. Elsewhere last night in the league, Tennessee beat Mississippi State 72-63. to That is going to be a bear of a game on Tuesday down in Knoxville. Um, Tennessee's playing, I think, better now. Going to have a big chip certainly on its shoulder for the way that Kentucky beat down the Vols here in Lexington last month. Uh, Alabama bounced back. Uh, made a bunch of threes and beat Ole Miss 97-83. to If you're scoreboard watching as far as a number one seed, uh, you know, Houston's a, a team that was ranked number six, and you know, if they ke- kept winning, could uh, maybe get in the conversation. Well, they lost last night at SMU 85-83. And number 10, Baylor, they won last night over Kansas State on the road 75-60. to Speaking of the aforementioned one seed, Joe Lenardi, ESPN's resident bracketologist, the guy who uh, first, uh, if he didn't start all the bracketology stuff, he at least uh, was the the first guy to be able to uh, maximize the exposure on it, and more power to him for doing that. Anyway, Joe has Kentucky now on his uh, one-seed line on his latest projection, along with Gonzaga, Auburn, and Purdue. And obviously, that's just for what it's worth, if you are interested uh, you're interested, and if you're not, you're not, and it doesn't matter either way. But uh, we throw it out there because I think a number of people uh, do get involved in that and kind of have fun watching it from the different projections. Mike DeCourcy does them for Fox. He'll be with us tomorrow. Anyway, Joe Lenardi has uh, the Cats up to the one line on his latest bracketology. Uh, and Cal yesterday, along with Mitch Barnhart, the U.K. Athletics Director, uh, spoke to lawmakers uh, in Frankfurt. Uh, a uh, Senate committee uh, passed out uh, of committee the... Uh, NIL bill that uh, Cal and uh, Mitch were there to discuss and uh, how it's needed for college athletics in the state of Kentucky. And it uh, unanimously passed out a committee. Now it's got to get approved by the Senate. Mike Pratt will join us when we come back. Our Wildcat News of the Day, a service of Giuseppe's of Lexington. They have gift cards. If you're looking for a great gift for somebody that's hard to buy for, you can get a Giuseppe's gift card and let them... Go whenever they want and have a great meal at Giuseppe's. If you have a special occasion like Valentine's Day or an anniversary or birthday coming up, Giuseppe's of Lexington, you can't beat it for any special occasion. Go to Giuseppe'sLexington.com, check out the menu and all the details, and we'll be right back with Mike Brad. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. 16 past the top of the hour on this Thursday edition of the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Mike Pratt joins the program. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at MikePratt22 and we were on the call down at South Carolina on Tuesday night. It was a game, Mike, where uh, Kentucky had to uh, battle and hold off a team that had rallied from 11 down to tie the game at 43. And uh, I ran into a U.K. fan yesterday and said, boy, but 
Cal was ticked off about that. I said, no, actually he uh, liked it because he wanted to see his team, he wants to see him get tested in close games and be able to, to find the ways to close them out. And so that was another step forward, I guess, for the Wildcats. Well, you need to be tested this time of year because uh, right around the court is the NCAA. You know how those games are played, Tom. They're, they're played free and easy in the first half, and boy, the second half, they slow down to a crawl. Each team uh, afraid to make a mistake because it's one and done. And so uh, how do you mount a comeback in a situation like that in an NCAA game? How do you, how do you overcome a poor shooting night? Um, there's a lot of things to be learned this time of year as it relates to the uh, big dance. So, you know, in those kinds of games, uh, sometimes you can maybe, you know, draw up a play and you get, you know, Kellen Grady a, a shot for just as an example. But there are other times where you're going to have to be able to just uh, make it happen uh, without necessarily some kind of perfectly executed play. And that's where Ty Ty Washington is so valuable to this team. And uh, I think he was bothered by that uh, ankle turn down at Auburn, and he seems to, uh, in the last couple of games, be back on top of his game and making those shots that are you know, those so important to this team where he can you know drive, pull up, hit those mid-range shots and be very hard to guard. Indeed, he is a critical piece in the puzzle, and the puzzle is is good puzzle. Pieces fit, which is a good, a really good thing. Uh, but Ty Ty brings to the table the ability you talked about that uh, he's he's very good off the bounce. His first step is very long and quick, um, and he he's a good decision maker once he has the ball. For the most part, he'll uh, he'll he knows what's a good shot. He knows his range. He knows where he feels comfortable. Um, you know, he's a very talented young player, and they've got to get him playing back the way he was uh, three or four weeks ago. I uh, want to see, obviously, Xavier Wheeler get back to making some shots uh, in the, his drives to the basket, uh, pull-ups, but he is a, a key element to the way they want to play and push in the pace. And I could see it. You know, games when you get into the NCAA tournament, like you were talking about, where Xavier's a, a big key in the first 30 minutes to pressure the opposing point guard and to rip and run in transition and try to get you going. And then if it slows down and, and grinds out, you, you have the option to slide, as they did some the other night, uh, Washington over into the point and either play Xavier off the ball or play with Mintz and Grady on the wings and um, be able to to be a, perhaps even a little more effective in half court, right? Yeah, he is. Uh, you know, he's the engine that drives this team, and the uh, and the engine that sets the pace of this team. Uh, but he's still got to hit the open shots, and when he does, they then have to guard him. I mean, they're leaving him open for a reason now, and he's got to make them pay. He's got to look at it that way. He's got to say, look, you all are insulting me by leaving me open. I'm going to make you pay. I'm going to hit a couple of shots, and I'm going to get to the charity strike, and we're going to win this game. I'm going to deal my assist. But he's got to make a statement that he can, when left alone, nail a shot. And right now he's struggling. Well, since Fandy, I don't think he's made a field goal. So, I mean, he's. I don't see Kentucky making a deep run without him making some wide-open shots that he's given. 
and, and not turn the ball over. I mean, it just can't happen. Got to get Oscar back. I was talking about this in the opening segment. Uh, Cal mentioned it after the game. You and I talked about it during the game. Uh, Oscar back to being able to have his regain his confidence in those free throw line jumpers that you know he he's very effective in that pick and roll game just with a short roll for a you know twelve or fifteen foot shot that he has made for much of the year but seems to have lost a little confidence in at the moment. Yeah, he uh, now's the time. We're in the what middle of February, pretty close to it, uh, being the tenth. He needs to get his game to come together, back together again. Um, he, he can do all those things. You know, it's the doldrums of the middle of the season, I don't know. But uh, obviously now's the time to make a run to uh, polish your game and be able to deliver. And, and we've seen him make that uh, jump shot from the charity strike. And he becomes so much more dangerous when he does that. All he needs to do is make a couple. It's just like severe. All he's got to do is make a couple. They have to adjust and play you out there. So, yeah, he is. Uh, but I, I think, you know, he, he has the effort, Tom. Uh, he makes the effort to become a rebounder. And I, I don't think that's going to change. I think how they play him, how the opponents play him will change. But, I mean, the effort he gives, he'll be fine in that regard. Preview the uh, matchup with Florida on Saturday for me. I assume you got a chance to see a little bit of the game last night. Yeah, Castleton's back. That makes a huge difference. Florida's a team that really hasn't shot the ball well. Um, and, and they defend okay. They're not a, a special defensive team. Um, it, it, they're going to run that offense through the big guy. The big guy's got some talent now. He's got some good hands, long arms. Kentucky's going to have to do something with him. I think that they'll play him defensively on Oscar the way uh, the last few teams have. You know, trying to, to lean on him to wrap around and use long arms to deflect passes. I mean, uh, they're they're going to have to do something with Oscar. Kentucky can do very well by dictating the pace. I don't think Florida is as good a team when you up the ante on the pace versus letting them control more of a moderate pace. So it'll be a challenge. You got them twice, so you get a peek at them now, and then you finish with them. But boy, what a stretch the Cats are in! They're in a tough stretch. Yeah, after uh, this, you've got at Tennessee on Saturday and then uh, Alabama at home and then at Arkansas the uh, the following week after a home game against LSU. So I think those are all quad one-type uh, games for Kentucky. Hey, Mike, we need to remind folks, uh, you and I are going to be out at uh, your frame of mind uh, gallery on Southland Drive from noon to one on Saturday before the game, signing copies of Kentucky basketball two decades behind the scenes. So if you've already bought one, bring it out and – if you need to get it personalized, and otherwise we'll be uh, selling copies of the book there. So appreciate all the response from our fans. Well, we're looking forward to it, Tom. Uh, Picky Richie does a nice job at that store. And, uh, we'll have some fun and sign some autographs before the ball game. See you at noon on uh, Saturday, your frame of mind, in, uh, on Southland Drive here in Lexington. Mike, see you then. Okay, buddy. Take care. Mike Pratt's weekly visits to the program presented by Boone's Butcher Shop in Bardstown. Check them out at boonesbutchershop.com. And we'll have Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated when we come right back. So Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. 
Yeah. Seven past the top of the hour. Justin Rowland joins us from CatsIllustrated.com and uh, at Roland Rivals on Twitter. And uh, Kentucky continues to uh, roll along with nice win at Alabama and a uh, win at South Carolina since we last talked, Justin. What are the areas you'd like to see Kentucky enhance or improve before we get to the postseason? I think, um, well, number one, Wheeler, you know, for, they keep chugging along, but he hasn't hit a field goal or it's been a really long time since you felt comfortable about him as a consistent offensive option. I think Ty Ty is rounded back into form, but I think he can still take it to another level. And I think if you dig into the rebounding numbers, this team has not been as dominant collectively on the glass the last several games, the last portion of conference. So you knew that was going to get tougher especially as they get more of a target on their back. But I, I feel like they can improve in, in that area as well. It seems like the uh, strategy for opponents now is to send multiple bodies at Oscar. And it's like yeah. we're going to do everything possible to keep him away from the ball. You'll see him at times you know, trying to reach from behind a couple of people to, to get to a basketball that's coming off the rim. And I understand the strategy because uh, you know it's not like Kentucky has anybody close to him. But Keon Brooks got nine the other night. It's going to be imperative that, that he continues to uh, try to pick up some of those rebounds Oscar can't get to, right? And that's why I think the production at the four spot has one of the reasons why it's gone up so much recently. There are just more opportunities. You know, Oscar's drawing so much attention, and you've got such good passers and experienced players. Those guys are going to have an opportunity to score 20 points any night that the shot's falling and that they have the right mindset. And and so that's the that's the positive for everybody throwing throwing themselves at Oscar. I think that'll be there the rest of the way. Yeah, that's the the thing about this Kentucky team is they do have ways. Uh, to potentially make you uh, pay a price for some particular strategy you employ, whether it's two guys at Oscar or trying to deny Kellen Grady or whatever it might be. And David Siss talked about that against uh, in one of these games recently against Alabama, where uh, Alabama had, had really hacked them down low and they sealed off the perimeter for the most part. But Ty Ty Washington was able to capitalize and had a great game with some mid-range shots step back for him so so the, the counter is there and Calipari has has hit the right notes this year um you can tell he really loves coaching them indeed uh we're talking with justin Rowland from cats illustrated halfway home on this edition of the leech report we'll be right back to uh, continue this discussion then we'll uh, talk a little super bowl with jacob tammy also in the second it's the leech report on talk radio 1080 coming up next it's kentucky sports radio with matt jones we come to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio each day. Return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's Pump and Shops. Great coffee when you stop in in the morning or a breakfast sandwich to get your day going when you stop in to fill up your vehicle. Fill up your stomach at Clark's Pump and Shops, the Clark's Cafes, all across the central Kentucky area and central and eastern Kentucky. Uh, we are joined by Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com. Uh, Let's uh, shift gears to a little football conversation. You had an article up at uh, Cats Illustrated uh, last week about uh, some observations over Mark Stoops' tenure on, on the recruiting and uh, how it has uh, evolved. Um, when I've been on shows to, to talk about what Stoops has built here, one of the things I always point out is one you mentioned in the article is – you talk about a recruiting base for Georgia. That's the state of Georgia. For Florida, that's the state of Florida. So the 
Commonwealth of Kentucky didn't produce anywhere close to an, enough numbers that even if you dominated the state, you, you didn't get enough numbers to uh, compete with the rest of the SEC. Well, Stoops and uh, Vince Merrow have done what Kentucky coaches talked about for years in uh, recruiting Ohio, and so now you, when you think about the base of Kentucky, you draw a, a, a line around the Commonwealth, and then you turn northward and include in the state of Ohio too, right? That's right. Yeah, you basically triple your in-state population. If you think of Ohio as in-state recruiting territory, and if you look at a map and you draw a six-hour circle around where you're at, that's what pretty much every coaching staff does anywhere, uh, it makes sense. And they've gotten those kind of numbers from Ohio over the last 10 years. No program other than Ohio State has signed more top 50 players from Ohio, and they can thank Merrow for that. And he is taking over, as I understand it, Kentucky's recruiting operation in Michigan. Now that Eric Wolford is heading off to Alabama, uh, he had stepped in there for Clinkscale, so Morrow would be in Michigan, in Ohio, and in Kentucky. And that's a lot of heavy lifting, but I'm sure he can handle it. And then also Tennessee. Uh, I think they're trying to think of Tennessee the same way. That's a little bit more challenging because of the SEC schools that kind of encircle it and, and go in for the guys they really want. But Kentucky recruited the, the state of Tennessee as well as any program last year, three top 11 players, and they've already got one of the top receivers from Tennessee in Shamar Porter right now. So, um, and, and they're going to have to find a replacement because Clint Scale was there and Wolford was there after him. Who is that going to be? That's also kind of in-state recruiting territory right now, especially with Tennessee struggling to recruit their backyard. You also uh, write in there about uh, how Kentucky early on focused on the, the types of players it wanted for various positions. That's uh, mm-hmm. rather than just going out and, and, you know, always just trying to find the best available athlete, they're trying to find certain types of players, whether it's, you know, length of arms for an offensive lineman or, mm-hmm. or a cornerback or something. That's kind of an NFL approach, isn't it? Yeah, I, and I think that's been one of the smartest things that they've done. You know, I've written about a lot of programs over the years, and, you know, most of them will take these guys that you call tweeners. You know, you don't know whether they're going to be a safety or a linebacker. You don't know whether they're going to be a linebacker or a defensive end. And Kentucky really seems to not get away from the prototype. They're not going to compromise on issues like wingspan, on height, on size. They did a little bit at receiver this year, although, you know, that's kind of a different issue. They have, they, I think they feel like and they realize they have to get the size, they have to get the strength, they have to get the speed. Um, Alabama gets the 6'5", 230-pound guy that runs a 4'6", Kentucky might have to take the guy that's 6'5", 230, and a little slower. Uh, but, but they want those traits because you just can't win in the SEC without them. If you don't have the size, if you don't have the guy two, three years in the strength program who builds himself up to a certain bare minimum of, of physicality and athleticism, then I, I just you don't stand a chance. And I think they're one of the most impressive-looking SEC teams when they get off the bus, and that's one of the reasons why. And that physical identity has given them a leg up over a lot of teams in the league that don't have a similar identity. So you, you have to have a, a, a plan and uh, you know, a, a things you aren't going to compromise on that you're talking about on, on some of the, the types of players. But there is also an element that – you know, anybody that was going to be successful here was would also have to be flexible and, and learn as you go. Some things uh, you have to, to bend on a little bit or you have to recognize, you know, when a time comes when you have to make a change. We've, uh, and that's what he's done with his offense now, and that seems to be uh, going great guns. You've got two teams in the Super Bowl that have, you know, a connection to, to Liam Cohen, and it seems to be a, a great 
uh, sale to recruits on the offensive side of the ball. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, this is probably as hot as they're going to get with one of the, the SEC's top returning quarterbacks and all the guys like C-Rod and Wandale that they can showcase. And they can tell tight ends, look at what Keaton Upshaw was going to do and look at what Isaiah Cummings did. And then now, I mean, you brought in Barry and Brown, who's as talented as any receiver from the high school level that they've ever brought in, one year removed from bringing in arguably the best receiver they've ever had in Wandale. And just the number of very talented guys going into the portal that maybe didn't transfer to Kentucky but looked at them really hard. I mean, they're in this they're in this conversation. It seems like every time somebody's in the portal, it's like Kentucky and Ole Miss or Kentucky, and it's just the kind of competition you want to be in 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 the game with because it means you're looking at the right kind of kids. So, so yeah, I mean, they're at a point now where I think it feels like they have a floor of seven or eight wins. And it, it feels like 10 wins is very achievable because of the SECE schedule as well. And I, I see no reason why that has to change any time moving forward. Stoops and Calipari have uh, both uh, done exceptional work in the transfer portal. Uh, and as you look around the country, that's, you know, it, that much like with, you know, playing freshman with Cal, it's, you know, something that is easier said than, than done. And they seem to have gotten it right uh, much more often than not. What's been the key to that for both of them? In basketball, Calipari is, just, is always going to be a step ahead. He's never going to be left behind for long, and so he saw the potential in the portal, and I think he aggressively tackled it. I think he used his clout. He used whatever capital he still had built up to go and, and make an aggressive and impressive pitch to the best players in the portal. And, you know, after this year, it's going to be even easier because he'll be able to point to these success stories and say it's not just about one and done here. So maybe it'll become the portal destination program. I think for Stutes, it's been a little bit different. It's been about the infrastructure and the consistency and the, lo- the longevity of his tenure that's made it one of the most stable situations in the SEC. So you're not making the case to portal guys, come in and save us. You're, you're telling them, We've got everything in place, and here's exactly how you can take us to the next level. And I think that was attractive to Wandale. I think that was attractive to other guys that they've brought in. And that that longevity and that um, security, the stable situation, really attractive to people who just want to come in for one year, keep the drama out, and do what they do. Yeah, there's a, an element to this transfer game, and you know we'll see how it sorts out. They they keep talking about you know trying to. Uh, make some some rules, and I don't know what they'll be able to do once it's already working and and out there. But it is, I think, kind of what I thought it would be when we first started talking about this last summer. It's like free agency, probably as as much in baseball as anything else, where you know you uh, you need a closer. You, you know your closer signed with the Yankees, so you need to find a closer. Uh, or you mm-hmm. need to find a, a third baseman, and so you go out and uh, and you find what you need. And if you're you know if you're good at it, uh, you're up, uh, and now with with NIL, there's a, a way to you know kind of where the players are able to to get uh, compensation too when they come to programs that are high profile. Uh, it's easy to see why Kentucky couldn't can be very good at this. And why shouldn't it be like that? You know, these guys have devoted ten, fifteen most of their lives to this, and for some of them, the clock is ticking and they're never going to play professionally, or for others, they need the best opportunity possible, and it's going to make or break their lifelong dream. So we have to stop thinking about these guys as like video game characters to hoard on a roster or something and just kind of humanize them a little bit, and I feel like that's, that's what happened. The ball should be in their court. 
and you should have to, to work to keep them happy and, and to have that ongoing conversation that I think is healthier now, where you can't just stuff people at the bottom of a death chart and keep them prisoner, essentially, because it's more difficult to leave. I think it's, it's going to make eventually for even healthier position rooms, and, and you have to be wary of some things. I do think that they're going to avoid needing to take seven or eight guys from the portal in the future. I don't think they're there now, but you don't want to be in a situation where it becomes too much of a, of a revolving door where you're taking fewer high school guys, you're upsetting guys that were already there when you're bringing others in. But, but yeah, I mean, it's been a great situation for them so far, and offensive tackle corner seem to be what they're looking for from here on out. And I think, as well, obviously, who you get and how, how you are able to do that is important, but how the, the exits are handled, and um, they – I think are are managing that very well to understand, you know, you just want to go, you know, you're John Doe, you just want to go play somewhere. And we, it's not going to happen if you stay here. If you want to stay, we'd love to have you as part of the program, but you're not going to play. If you want to play, we're fine with you going off somewhere else and finding that opportunity. I thought it was really cool in the bowl game to see yeah. several guys who were going to go somewhere else. Katie McDaniel, who they were really excited about at one time, and I know they really liked all along. And he was playing really hard. I don't know how many game-changing plays he made, but that's a lot of film that he was able to take to different schools. And he's going to land on his feet at UCF and have a great opportunity to be a starter for one of the top G5 programs in the country. His dream is not finished. So, And that's the kind of thing, word of mouth, still carries a lot of weight. We talk about social media, but word of mouth, these guys that travel around the country to tournament, passing tournaments and camps, and many of them have the same trainers and mentors and friends and, and friend networks. Word gets around. So if you do somebody wrong, it's going to hurt you for a long time with a lot of people. And I've seen that up close. And, you know, Kentucky wouldn't have had its best decade of recruiting if they weren't trying to do right by people. And I think they have tried to help people in on their feet. CatsIllustrated.com, at Roland Rivals on Twitter. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. We'll visit with Jacob Tammy when we come right back about the Super Bowl. report served up by Wild Eggs in Hamburg and in Palomar. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Jacob Tammy joins the program. Former Wildcat, great Hall of Famer here. Played in Super Bowls with the Colts, the Broncos. Jacob, every young boy who picks up a football, starts throwing it around, starts playing, dreams of being in a Super Bowl one day. So what first time you ran out on the field with the Colts, and you were in the Super Bowl. Can you remember what that felt like? <laughs> yeah, well, hey, Tom, thanks for having me. And, yeah, you know, I, I do remember it. I remember, you know, really going out for warm-ups, you know, um, the first time and just uh, – and really going back to, to winning that championship game. You know, you win the AFC uh, or NFC championship and just that that feeling and that moment, knowing – that uh you've given yourself that opportunity you know and 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 for my family and all those sorts of things that yeah you just you'd never dream growing up you know in central kentucky and uh going to boyle county you know you don't you don't have those sort of dreams of of being able to play in a super bowl one day so uh really special experiences all three times the third time i was hurt and uh but we got to you know go do the full experience uh which was which was great Dan Quinn and the Falcons took good care of us, uh, you know. But it was uh, all three were were incredible experiences. I'll tell you, the first one with the Colts, uh, you know, 
times have changed, I guess, but, uh, you know, we all used to remember that moment at the opening kickoff, right, when all the flashbulbs would go off. Yeah. And now there's no flashes because everyone just, you know, has a cell phone. <laughs> so I do remember that. That was, that was so long ago. There was still the flashbulbs going off when I hit the line. I was on that kickoff to open the game. And, uh, you know, you could almost see the, that, that moment of, of that bright flash as you hit the line. You probably, you know, grew up watching all the Super Bowl coverage uh, uh, leading up to the game each week. When you were part of it, what was the the craziest part of that? Just the the lead up with the media days or, or anything else? I don't know. You know, it's also it was all very uh, surreal. You know, being a part of the media days and and all those moments where you go go do that. It, you know, I'd say probably yeah, the most surreal thing was how many media people are at media days. And even, you know, uh, at that time, uh, with the first, I guess, you know, I guess I was a second tight end, sort of the backup tight end, but, you know, I've, you know, in different groupings and all that stuff, I wasn't the star tight end really at either, uh, soup of the first two. Uh, and then I was hurt at the third one and I still got interviewed a bunch. I mean, it was crazy because how many people were there, how many, um, you know, just the, the hubbub of it all was pretty incredible to be a part of. So it was bigger than UK Football Media Day, huh? Well, hey, UK Football Media Day at that time felt really, really big to me, I'll tell you, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, the, another interesting thing, let's see, I can't remember the security around it. I, I just remember I have these memories of when that first one with the Colts, we practiced at the Dolphins facility all week. So that was kind of our little home down there that week, football-wise, uh, was Miami's practice facility. And I remember, you know, there being like, uh, six or eight, you know, some sort of tactical FBI government agents always on the roofs. Like, you know, it felt a little weird practicing under the watchful eye of some kind of really high level, uh, you know, U.S. government security or law enforcement all the time. Um, just, you know, in, in New York with the Broncos, we're driving around. It's always, there's so much, like I said, I guess just all the, all the surrounding pieces to it from the media to security to all those sorts of things um, were just very, very uh, unique. So who do you think is going to win this one on Sunday? Um, you know, I think uh, – I guess the short answer is I think the Rams will win. Uh, it's probably not a very popular answer around here. Um, I, I love Burrow. I, I, the Bengals have been an awesome story. You know, I grew up a Reds fan and kind of a Bengals fan. If I'm being just being honest, we were huge Reds fans, and I was a Kentucky football fan. We just didn't really follow the NFL as close. Um, but anyway, you know, I, I root for the Bengals when we're around here. Obviously, I basically root for my friends and for the teams I was on. But um, you know, I think the Rams are just really, really good. A pass rush. You know, they got my old teammate Vaughn Miller out there. I know firsthand how good Vaughn is. And even though he's getting a little older, he's got a lot of juice still. And the other Floyd guy on the other edge, and Aaron Donald, and the way the Bengals O-line has been, I mean, it just doesn't look very good. But Burrow is an absolute star and a true gamer. So I'm excited to see if they can, if they can, you know, hang and make it a ball game. And, I mean, I'm not, there's no doubt that they could win um, based on, you know, some of the, some of the ways they've won games so far. So it's going to be a good game, I hope. Guessing you think it's it's kind of cool that uh, there's now a Kentucky football connection through Liam Cohen to you know these the the hot teams that uh, are in the NFL right now being the two that have made the Super Bowl that's uh, got to help in recruiting for Kentucky. 
Oh, but just look across the league. Look across the league at, at, at all the guys that, that the program has put in there the last four or five years. And, and, and yeah, some, some absolute, uh, absolutely top level guys too, you know, uh, not just, you know, middle of the road, you know, helping the team guys like me. I mean, we're talking about some real legit, uh, pro bowl caliber type of guys that have, that have kind of done it year in, year out now, especially, you know, on the defensive side of the ball and, and some offensive guys too. But I think, yeah, it's exciting, exciting for the program and certainly has helped in recruiting. And I think we'll continue to. Jacob, I appreciate you jumping on with us to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. Enjoy the game on Saturday, on Sunday. Yeah, and you Saturday, too. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, UK Hall of Famer Jacob Tammy there joining us to talk about the Super Bowl coming up Sunday. We'll come back and close out this edition of the Leach Report in just a moment. Slice of Wildcat history, uh, just a birthday to pass along today. Kind of a significant one. Coach Cal celebrates a birthday today. Happy birthday to Coach Cal. Uh, seven Wildcats invited to the NFL Combine. Uh, Josh Paschal, Yusuf Corker, Marquand McCall on the defensive side, Wandale Robinson, Darian Kennard, Luke Fortner, Dare Rosenthal on the offensive side. So uh, good luck to all of those guys. Tonight, the U.K. women take on number one South Carolina. Kentucky has uh, been struggling of late, and uh, this is not the team to try to get well against, but we'll see what they can do with the Lady Gamecocks. 7 o'clock uh, tonight at Memorial Coliseum. That's uh, Eastern time, of course. Single-game tickets available for U.K. baseball. They'll be playing games out of Kentucky Proud Park before too long. And uh, ticks, uh, tickets for the Keeneland Spring Meet go on sale Tuesday at uh, 9 a.m. And... That's a uh, nice thought. Think about racing at Keeneland in nice warm weather come April. That will do it for us tomorrow. We'll uh, preview Kentucky, Florida with Mike DeCourcy and more here on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show.